kind of a uh, kind of a retro open there. Um, <laughs> I would certainly know if I was at Soaring Eagle. I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, but hey, that was, that was a great time, wasn't it, James? I was like, that'd be great if we were at Soaring Eagle right now. I mean, uh, yeah, we enjoyed ourselves, and I'll tell you what. You know what? Sometimes, uh, in order to go forwards, you have to go backwards, huh? How about you're so, so profound today? Look at bringing the A game at uh, this late hour. Uh, it is the sports book, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, happy to have you with us here on seven sixty WJR. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed the weekend, and uh, here we are talking sports with you off the heels of another fine edition of Sports Wrap with Sean and Lowe. Jamie, how you doing? I'm good, Steve. How are you? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I uh, got to mention, it was kind of a big weekend for the courtship. My son, Trevor, uh, became engaged uh, <gasps> to the uh, lovely Madison. And oh, congrats. Yay. Thank you. Uh, could not be happier. Uh, they are both educators uh, in the great city of Livonia. That's how they met. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me just say this. Maddie has her master's from Michigan State. Go green. That's all. Uh, That's so nice, Steve. Congratulations. Your family is growing. Indeed it is. Um, meanwhile, let me just point something out. Uh, Parker, he's on the other side of the glass. He's uh, doing things that Parker does. Uh, this show is put together, as always, by the one, the only Nick Roddy. Uh, Nicholas, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Everything is sensational. And I'm just going to point something out right here, right now. Since you two cats have become busy with J.R. Mornings with Guy and Lloyd, I never get a chance to see you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm so sorry. Once I figure out my schedule and a better way to manage it, I will see you more, I promise. It's not you, Steve. It's us. (laughs) Don't think I haven't heard that before. Uh, All right, then. Uh, Let's take a look at... Uh, what a great weekend it was for the most part. And I'm a big believer group in beginning with a positive. And that would certainly uh, encompass the previous three days of the Detroit Tigers as we all said goodbye to uh, Miguel Cabrera. Uh, just a round of applause for the Tigers as an organization uh, putting this amazing deal together. And I don't think it's easy. Um, but It paid off yesterday, and uh, as I've said throughout the day, and Jamie, you and I spoke earlier, uh, and we did too, Nick, I I didn't want to get emotional because I've seen athletes come and go, but as this thing was unfolding, especially when it got to the whole top of the eighth deal, and the kids came out with A.J. Hinch, and um, he took first base, and he was there by himself for a minute, emotions got the better of me. Well, so I was thinking about this when they did the pregame ceremony on Saturday, which I thought was great. And all the gifts they gave him, the seat that was signed by all the players, the baseball sculpture, like all of it. I thought that was so great on Saturday. I thought, what could they possibly do on Sunday now besides play the game and let him walk off? And they came up with so many special moments throughout Sunday as well. I just think the Tigers did a great job in this send-off. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, during his 15 years were in the old English D, everybody got kind of used to Miggy uh, being at first base. And as I mentioned, uh, they had him there, and he was the only one there for a while. 
And uh, then play resumed. And the baseball gods were certainly shining on the moment. To Cabrera. How cool is that? Baseball gods. Stephen Kwan, (laughs) just following the script, uh, nice ground ball to Miggy over there, uh, fielded it cleanly, and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, But what's the chances of that happening? I'm glad it did happen that it was an actual baseball play because I didn't want his last play to be a walk because his last at-bat, he just walked. Right, right. Uh, Well, the important thing is, um, you know, I think uh, the emotions got to Miguel as well. And I would imagine, you know, as the situation was when he was pursuing 500 home runs and 3,000 hits, you know, you understand that this thing's going on. And sooner rather than later, you'll be playing your final big league game. And uh, I can't even imagine uh, what was going on uh, in his head. But to be honest, you know, after he got done hugging and shaking hands, I think, with everybody in the Tigers organization, I've always heard that he isn't the type that wants to talk about himself and doesn't like the attention or anything like that. So maybe he was relieved uh, when it was all over. But, you know, you go back to the first inning when his kids, who played such an amazing role in this special day, actually introduced him. That was pretty cool, too. Yeah, I mean, again, that was a wonderful moment when everybody in the stands held up those cards that said, Gracias, Miggy. I thought that was special. And, you know, he spoke in the clubhouse afterward. He wasn't overly emotional. He was joking and laughing. And I thought his on-the-field interview with Johnny Kane was funny, too, because at the end of that, he was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I, I think he just got to a point where enough was enough. And uh, just because we can, uh, we'll replay his address to the crowd. Ah, uh, thank you, guys. Thank you. I want to meet you guys. I want to meet this game. Um, thank you very much, everything you guys do for me. Um, this ride, it was awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, and see you later. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Not so fast, Miggy. Uh, the Tigers announcing last Friday that he is going to hang out as a front office special assistant. Now, exactly what that is going to entail, I don't know, but it's going to be nice to have the guy still in the uh, Tigers organization, huh? Yeah, that'll be great. Who knows what that means, if he's here sporadically, if he's here a lot. Um, Guy mentioned something in this morning, if he could maybe be a bridge to the Venezuelan players, that'd be great. It's just up to him. Like, he's now retired. How much involvement does he want? Well, you know, it was, uh, and I've said throughout, you know it, James, uh, I think the Tigers were a fun team to watch this year. They finished 78 and 84, nine games behind the Twinkies, second place all alone. Uh, and I really do have a good feeling about where this Tiger team is heading, don't you? I really do. I mean, it's their best record since 2016, and they won the season series against all four division rivals. So my hope is that they're playing meaningful games right about now next year. And also, uh, we just want to. Uh, give a mention to this because he was one of the finest guys in baseball for a long, long time. Guardians manager Terry Francona also uh, ended his career yesterday. And I've never had a conversation with anybody involved in big league ball, you guys, that
that ever had anything bad to say about Terry Francona. Uh, a player's manager, dude knew the game, and uh, he certainly stood the test of time, winning a couple of World Series with the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, congrats to him on a wonderful career as well. He was trumped a little bit by everything going on yesterday. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, to his credit, uh, he said, look, the day belongs to Miguel Cabrera. And uh, you know, I'm just going to say it. I, I, I still can't believe the A's gave him a $70 bottle of wine. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 cheap. Pretty cheap. Whatever the category beyond cheap is, that's what that was. Anyway, I would imagine one of the highlights of Miggy's career, uh, Major League Baseball's only triple crown winner since 1967. That going down, you'll recall, in 2012 uh, when he was named American League MVP for the first of two straight years during that run of winning three straight batting titles and four consecutive division titles. Then he joins Hank Aaron and Albert Pujols. There's some company. Last year, as the three players in baseball history with 3,000 hits, 500 homers, and 600 doubles. So uh, what a career. What a career indeed. Yeah, congratulations to Miguel Cabrera. I think it's it was wonderful. Now it's time for the Tigers to look forward, and I think Scott Harris will do that. And there's a lot of money off the books now, and let's see what he can do. Oh, there is a lot of money off the books. That is for sure. Um I don't think they'll be coming anywhere near that for his special assistance job. Do you? <laughs> he must have taken a pay cut. <laughs> you would think. All right. When we return, uh, we'll take a look back at the college football weekend, some NFL news and notes. And uh, coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to have a very important conversation uh, with a man by the name of Mike Garfield. Uh, Mike was a longtime assistant to Tom Izzo uh, with Michigan State Hoops. Uh, found his uh, way to Cleveland State, and then went back to East Lansing for some more special moments. And then uh, there was a tragedy, and he has overcome that. And he and his wife are turning that negative into a real positive. So we'll have that conversation coming up as we continue here with the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. Oh, yeah, the Sportsbook continues here on 760 WJR, Stephen Jamie here at your service. And uh, we'll begin with a uh, conversation of the game you heard right here on WJR. Uh, you know, the uh, Spartans go into Iowa City. Uh, I think there were 16-point underdogs. Uh, but this team competed, James, uh, for a while. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. As a matter of fact, the uh, tilt tied at 16, 345 to play. And it was Cooper DeGene, 70-yard punt return. Uh, and that proved to be part of the difference in Iowa's 26-16 win uh, over the Spartans. And, uh, you know, I will say this. Um, you just can't make the mistakes that this Spartan team is making. Four more turnovers to go along with 10 penalties for 94 yards. Um, this is a team, obviously, uh, that has been hit hard by everything that's going on uh, recently. And uh, I think... The uh, silver lining in this cloud right now, uh, they're on a bye week. I think uh, these kids, I think the staff uh, from top to bottom uh, need a chance to step away and just take a breath. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, good timing on that for sure. I, they are playing for Harlem Barnett. They are trying to compete. They were leading this game in the third quarter. This was a winnable game for them, and so it kind of makes it even worse that – 
just miscues again. And Noah Kim has not been good. 25 of 44, 193 yards and three interceptions. I mean, what are they going to do? Perhaps think about that position, go back to the drawing board. Well, listen, you, you get on social media and I think Spartan nation is rather loud right now uh, that you've got to give the ball to Caden Hauser. Uh, I think uh, Noah Kim has been given uh, an opportunity um, to uh, make plays and uh, be a difference maker. Um, and we'll see how Harlan Barnett wants to play this thing, along with Mark D'Antonio, uh, after the bye week. Uh, they will be in Piscataway for a little how you doing with uh, Rutgers. But uh, I think uh, this team has got to uh, sort things out upstairs here. And, uh, again, you go back to uh, when it just hit the fan Everybody's saying, eh, kids are resilient. They're going to go out. They want to play ball and everything else. Okay, again, they are resilient, but they're not robots. And, you know, my hope is anyway uh, that they are able to step away for a little bit. And I think Harlan Barnett, uh, being the guy that he is, is going to be all in favor of that. Hey, dudes, step away for a little bit, uh, clear your heads, and then just get ready to go back to work uh, against Rutgers. So, Yeah, and Mark, Mark D'Antonio as well. I mean, he's good to have in this situation. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Anyway, uh, elsewhere, uh, the uh, football Wolverines went on the road for the first time as well. And uh, really no issues in their 45-7 route in Lincoln over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, Michigan actually scoring on its first three possessions, leading 28 nothing at the half. Blake Corum, 74 yards, 16 carries to lead a Michigan rushing attack. That produced a season-high 249 yards. The Wolverines, with the win, Jamie, extended their conference win streak to 17 games, the longest in the nation. They will continue a little road swing. They'll be in the land of 10,000 lakes to uh, face Minnesota on Saturday. I mean, they look good. They continue to sort of up the ante. They haven't played that stout of competition just yet, but 45-7 to is certainly impressive. Well, then, uh, you know, they remain at number two, uh, but Georgia got everything they wanted from uh, Peyton Thorne and the Auburn Tigers, although they pull out a victory. So uh, there's a few uh, under the impression that maybe Michigan should get the knob at number, uh, not at number one. Hasn't happened as of yet. Because I don't think they've played that style of competition. All right. What uh, surprised you there, Nick Roddy? Uh, Anything uh, over this college football weekend? Oh, boy. I mean, between Michigan and Michigan State, really not much. I mean, I thought Michigan State would uh, show show some fight, which they did. At the end of the day, I think Jamie's right. I think you need to give the ball to Caden Hauser and, and, and let him try and turn this season around a little bit and maybe pick up a win or two that you might not be favored to get uh, towards the end of the season. But Michigan... I think I'm just waiting for that Penn State game and then Ohio State. That's that's kind of the season for the for the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, there's a no doubt about that. Uh, getting back to state quickly, I think uh, another real positive: Nathan Carter, uh, the transfer from UConn. Holy mackerel! Uh, this dude uh, is starting to show a little something, something, isn't he? He rushed for 108 yards uh, for the Spartans on Saturday. Love watching that kid do what he does. All right, uh, quickly here. Uh, did you know? It's preseason for the Detroit Red Wings. They will skate in Chicago at 8.30 tomorrow night. They are 3-1 and one in the preseason. They open the regular season on the 12th of this month 
in New Jersey. It's already here. Uh, what can you make out of preseason hockey? Not a whole lot, but I think good habits are formed right now. Yeah, and they brought in these guys like Debrinket, uh, Gosses Bear to score, and they're doing that at least in preseason. Last I checked, Debrinket had four assists and two appearances. That's good. Gosses Bear recorded two assists on Saturday. So they needed points. They needed goal scores. They've scored 18 times through four games. That's a good positive thing. Yeah, again, you go back to uh, before uh, camp, uh, general manager Stevie Eisenman pointing out, look, this, he's not looking at this as a playoff or bust season. Uh, for this Red Wing team. He's made the adjustments. He's brought in some goal scorers, um, and uh, we'll see. Um, but, you know, I, I can't imagine this team, with all the changes that have been made, and you just rattled off some offensive numbers there, Jane, um, will things have to go uh, 100% their way for them to be a playoff team? I'm not so sure. I don't know. I think we have to wait and see what this team, if they've created chemistry, all these new faces are playing together for the first time. So it could be a little rough in the beginning. Also, Steve, Stevie Y is playing the long game. Is he not like we're all ready for the playoffs, but no one wants to, you know, criticize Stevie Y. So we're all like, okay, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think you got to subscribe to the Iser plan. Um, you know, I have no reason to doubt Steve Eiserman, you know, based on what he built in Tampa. And I think he's in the process of doing the same thing here in Detroit. And, uh, you know, kudos to him for, you know, not saying, yes, it's about time we make the playoffs or we're really going to rattle things up. He said just the opposite. He said, look, if we are knocking on a postseason door, you know, am I going to get rid of all the draft capital that I've built up? To, to, to try and do that, uh, that's not the way he does business. Hopefully, this hockey club that he built going into this 2023-24 season um, puts the biscuit in the basket, and uh, they get some wins and points, and, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited, as always. Love hockey. So let's see what the Iser plan can produce. Uh, Pistons, meanwhile, media day today, right, Nicholas? Yeah, that's correct. At Little Caesars Arena. Yeah, Cade Cunningham says he is 100% from the injury uh, last year. That is good news. Uh, the Pistons will open up the uh, preseason on Sunday, October 8th. They will host the Phoenix Suns. There's all sorts of stuff going on. There's no question about it. How confident are you in Mike Williams uh, being the uh, young player whisperer, getting the most out of this club? Your thoughts? Monty Williams? I. I've got a little mic thing going on here right That's now. That's okay. No yeah. problem. I knew what you meant. Um, very confident. I mean, they paid him a ton of money because he is good at what he does. And to have Cade Cunningham at 100%, that's a good start. That's a good core. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about the Pistons, too. I think they're a little farther back than the Wings. but Yeah, we'll see. I, I, you know, there, you, you go back to last year, and uh, there was expectation. Of course, injury derails that. Um, but you, you, you take a look at the uh, Monty Williams resume, and uh, I think if there's anybody to be brought in uh, that's going to get the most out of this extremely young roster, um, it would have to be him because everybody's got their uh, deals, everybody's got their jobs, everybody's got their roles. And uh going to put you on the spot there, Nick. Pistons a playoff team? Uh, 
No, I think they'll be considerably better. I mean, just the fact that you get Cade back. I mean, they shut him down last year when they really didn't have to. They were kind of being extra cautious with him. They were at, what, 17 wins last season? I think I think they should be, I don't know, mid-30s or something like that. I mean, I think the bringing in Joe Harris, I think they like their rookie, the Thompson brother. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think they should see a vast improvement. I don't think they're a playoff team, though. All right, and before we go to the break, um, we have to, and we'd be remiss and not, the 30-year drought uh, for the Americans – Winning a Ryder Cup on foreign soil continues. Um, just one of those deals. Uh, you know, I think it's proof positive, Jane, that you, if you dig an early hole, and the Americans did, it's extremely difficult to get out. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the script before, have we not, with the Americans on European soil? I read an article that Every home team is going to win from here on out with these Ryder Cups because these guys are really good. The course setup, you know, doesn't really matter. It's all about the opposing fans and the stadium setup, and they just they can't play against it. Well, there's so many, there's so much stuff going on in golf right now. Uh, obviously, uh, this 2024 season is going to be interesting. The way uh, the PGA Tour and Live is set up still really doesn't don't have any concrete information as far as that goes but then late in this regular uh pga season uh you had some players uh making point that now that gambling is legal they are uh hearing people shouting on their backswings um lining up putts the same thing and uh i think it's only a matter of time before somebody's gonna have to do something i don't you know it, it you got what ten bucks on something, and you're gonna scream in somebody's backswing. I'm not saying that that's particularly the case, but it doesn't matter how much money you got. Who's gonna do something about this? Yeah, that's definitely a problem for someone to figure out with it being so pervasive. Like everyone has it on their phones at every second. Did you uh, understand why Ricky Fowler conceded that putt to uh, Tommy Fleetwood? Because he's a gentleman? I don't know. I, I, You know, even in like the ladies' Ryder Cup I just played with, you never could see. You make them putt. Well, I, I read so much about that, you know, getting as much uh, angle on this as possible. And there's quite a few people out there that are saying, look, he was just he didn't want to prolong the inevitable. It was a half a point that Europe needed. And to do the gentlemanly thing, I guess uh, you can take that into account. Um, and there's a few people that really laid into Ricky Fowler saying just what you are, Jane, that you got to make them putt. Uh, it's, uh, you know, to, to win the match of a Ryder Cup. And um, I don't know. I I don't find myself being that cheesed about it. I just don't. Look, what a, pick what it up. What about the caddy situation and Rory McIlroy? <laughs> what is that all about? Did you see it? Well, I, I saw the uh, the deal on social media and, I thought Joe LaCava, who's who's been in this game for a long, long time, I thought he overstepped his bounds. You don't do too. that. You don't do that as a caddy. I did too, because then he went back. Right. Rory's trying to line up a putt. I mean, get out of there. No, it just made no sense to me. Uh, all right. Uh, we are going to have a very important conversation, as I mentioned not that long ago. Mike Garland, a longtime assistant uh, with Tom Izzo uh, at Michigan State. 
Um, he had success there, went to Cleveland State, uh, had success there, went back to East Lansing. And then in June of 2022, he retired. And then there was tragedy. And he and his wife are responding to that tragedy in fine fashion. We'll have the whole story for you coming up as we continue with the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. Welcome back into the Sportsbook right here on 760 WJR. To say that Mike Garland and Tom Izzo are close would be the understatement of this new millennium. Uh, first things first, their friendship uh, goes back uh, 50 years or so. They were teammates, you see, at Northern Michigan University. Then Tom Izzo brought Mike aboard, his staff, at MSU. And uh, in return, Coach Garland helped Magnum T.I. Uh, to 19 NCAA tournaments, 10 Big Ten championships, seven Final Fours, and, of course, a national championship. Uh, one thing is for sure, Mike Garland and his family were doing well. Everything was fine. Uh, Mike Garland would retire in June of 2022. Uh, about two weeks later, there was tragedy, and uh, he joins us now. Coach, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Steve. A pleasure. You? Everything is well. A pleasure to have you with us. And uh, as I mentioned, Mike, I mean, um, you had some great, great years uh, at Michigan State with Tom Izzo. You would go on to Cleveland State to go back to East Lansing and do some amazing things. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, there for a while, uh, your life was, uh, well, everything you wanted it to be. Uh, your lovely wife, Cynthia, yourself, looking for retirement. Two weeks after that, Mike, you and your wife are driving. And pick up the story from there, sir. Well, uh, first of all, you call my friend Magnum T.I., and uh you know, I, I know him as a little bit different than that. I just flat out call him Blank Pistol. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I have the privilege of doing that. Of course <laughs> you do. Well, that's yeah. what a 50-year friendship does, right, Mike? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We go way back, of course. But, um, you know, going back to what you just said, uh, my wife and I were on our way to a to the bank to uh, do some banking business, and uh, I left out of here, <clears throat> um, leaving uh, leaving my neighborhood. Uh, got out on um, Holt Road and uh, turned left on College. And when I turned left on College, uh, that's all I remember. Um, and then uh, three days later, I woke up. Uh, in the in the McLaren hospital, uh, not even knowing what happened to me. But um, to go into detail about what actually happened to me, I went into sudden cardiac arrest, which, uh, you know, I, I love to inform uh, the public of what that really means, because a lot of people think that um, sudden cardiac arrest is heart attack, and it's not, you know. Uh, right. Sudden cardiac arrest is electrical, and there's no warning signs. Um, there's no indication that you're about to go into it. It's the same thing that happened to Bronny James and Demar Hamlin. You know, it's a, it it's a it is a deadly, deadly um, situation that you will find yourself in, um, and 
you need someone there. Um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have someone there that um, can perform hands-on CPR on you and um, help you until uh, health professionals can get there. And coach, that's what happened to you. You were on the side of the road and two men stopped, performed CPR, kept you alive until the police could get there, emergency if people could get there and took you to the hospital and they saved your life. And there's a great story on WILX.com with your whole story and you got to meet back up with them. But moving forward, you wanted to do something to help others. Talk about your event. Well, um, on the... On on October 16th, which is National Restart Your Heart Day, uh, my foundation, Champions of the Heart, will be hosting a free hands-on uh, CPR and AED training. And uh, during that time, uh, we will have uh, health professionals there to actually teach uh, the participant um, actually what to do, what is the protocol, if um, they find themselves in a situation where there is a victim um, laying down right before them. And um, we will also uh, do a little education on sudden, uh, sudden cardiac arrest itself. Um, for all the participants who, um, <clears throat> for all the participants who will be there, um, once they are done, we will be providing a free t-shirt and since it's October and near Halloween we're going to give them a little apple cider and donuts as well so you know we'd like to encourage uh, everyone to come out and actually uh, participate in it because it's so important and our big thing is more hands on hearts and the more hands we can get on hearts um the more lives that will be saved. Uh, so, well, that's, that's an awesome deal, Mike. And it, you know what? I'm a big believer in this. Uh, sometimes uh, after tragedy, good things happen. And uh, your champions of the heart uh, is evidence of that. And you mentioned Damar Hamlin earlier. And here's a young fella uh, whose life was turned upside down. Uh, he used this opportunity, Mike, to uh, educate people as to what they should do should they come across somebody who's in his situation. And I think, you know, one of the byproducts of that, Mike, I was kind of amazed at how many public places do not have AEDs. Uh, oh. on, isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And the other thing that's frightening is a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of public places that do, no one knows where it's at. If you walk in and say, where's your AED device, most people that are employed there wouldn't have any idea. They wouldn't have any idea. And right. that goes for teachers in schools as well. And um, if, I'm, if I recall, that was also part of the, the problem with DeMar. Someone went into the tunnel looking for the AED and had no idea where it was. So that, that's something that has to change, Steve. It has to change. Um, it really does. Well, A, knowing where they're at, uh, and B, is there somebody on hand that knows how to work them? I would Absolutely. think that's pretty damn important. Absolutely, and that's what we're all about, you know, teaching our participants 
how to actually use that device because there's no question uh, within that four minute time period that you have to actually get your hands on their heart and actually, you know, load them up with the AED. Um, you know, it's so important that someone, you know, knows exactly what they're doing. And um, you're ever so right about that. But the good news is, I've seen stories on this, they're easy to use. If you need to save someone's life, you're completely capable, believe in yourself, they make them so lay people can use them. Oh, they, they, Jamie, they do. And um, it's just something we have to be aware of. Um, you know, you know, uh, most people in our country, and even across the world, don't know that um, sudden cardiac arrest is the leading cause of death. Most people think it's heart attack, and it's not. It's sudden cardiac arrest. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to do everything we can at Champions of the Heart to bring that awareness, not only to the state of Michigan, but, uh, you know, it's our vision to to uh, also pass that on to other states and across the country. And we uh, we have some, uh, some interesting vision for that, but we've got to get started with this with our first event on the 16th. And if there's anyone that is interested in uh, coming to our place, of course it's free, but if they will go to my website, which is championsoftheheart.net, and they will um, see exactly what they need to do to get signed up. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be there on the 16th. There'll be, actually there'll be, um, two different sessions, one from 10 to 12, and the other will be from 2 to 4. And um, I would advise people to um, sign up quickly. You know, we, we have a we have quite a bit of interest right now. So, um, and we can only really handle up to about 400 people. So we're, you know, we're looking forward to that. And, um, also as well, if anyone uh, would like to, make a donation, uh, they will also be able to uh, see what they need to do in order to make a donation to our foundation as well, right on our website. Mike, you're doing amazing things. Um, I would imagine uh, when you go through something like you and your family did, it kind of changes your perspective on uh, life overall. Uh, we certainly appreciate you setting some time aside tonight to uh, join us. Again, folks, it's going on October 16th. Uh, to learn more, just go to championsoftheheart.net. Mike, thank you so very much. Well, Steve, thank you. And Jamie, thank you. I really appreciate uh, you guys uh, allowing me to move on and helping us to move forward. All the best. Look forward to seeing you soon, Mike. All right. Thank you. All right. That is the one, the only, Mike Garland, a longtime staff member with Tom Izzo up at Michigan State. And, uh, boy, Jamie, I'll tell you what. Uh, that's, that's something. And the fact that he and his wife have taken it upon themselves to try and make a difference as far as the education of AEDs and everything else, uh, just phenomenal. Yeah, I think they feel so lucky. I, I saw in the story on WILX.com that they feel like angels were there for him. And so now they want to be that for other people. And if you educate one person that didn't know about it, then you're doing something. All right, folks. It is the sports book here on 760 
WJR. As always, thank you very much to our wonderful friends at Soaring Eagle for their support of this year program. Hey, what's the deal? There's only one Monday night game tonight. Uh, Seattle will be at the Meadowlands to take on the really bummed out New York Giants. Holy mackinoli. Off to a rough start, are the G-Men. Uh, meanwhile, your Detroit Lions back at the friendly confines of Ford Field come Sunday when they will host the Carolina Panthers. Um, Lions, of course, flying high off the big uh, last Thursday night win at Lambeau Field over the uh, Green Bay Packers. And uh, they're going to have this Jamison Williams guy back with them. Uh, how about this? Didn't see this coming. Uh, the NFL and NFL Players Association agreed to the uh, new gambling rules that lopped two weeks off of the six-game suspension he was given this spring for betting on non-NFL games from the uh, Allen Park facility. So, uh, you know, that's cool. And uh, Dan Campbell says, look, the only thing he's looking for from Jamison Williams is to do what he's supposed to, work hard, and that's that. But uh, he's back in the fold there, James. Yeah, I, I don't know how he's doing on his injury, returning from injury, but everyone is assuming he's going to be like the number one receiver. They're going to slowly bring him into the fold, I would think. I don't know about this. You got Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you know, the guy's okay, got a number long, two, playing yeah, for two. You know, the guy's got a long way to go. And listen, in all seriousness, you know, stuff happens. I get that. Um, but should he have known the rules? Of course he should have known the rules. Um, but now he's back. And I think it's very important because he missed so many reps that were important for a dude that's in his second year um, that he just comes out, like Dan Campbell says, do what you're supposed to do, do it well, and be responsible. Um, That's that. Yeah, Campbell said if he does play, he can't play 60 plays. That's not smart. We can't do that to him. Nick, what are your expectations of uh, Jamison Williams? Oh, boy. I mean, when you look at last year, it was kind of him coming off the injury and, and just getting his feet wet. And he had that one big touchdown at, the, you know, I think it was his first or second game. And then he kind of didn't do much. I, I want to see him just be involved and, and just, he doesn't need to become Justin Jefferson or even Amon Roy St. Brown, but he can't get held to one or two catches in the game. He's got to be more involved in the offense steadily where he's getting four and five and six catches and really i mean when you look at the target uh counts for the past few games it's amon ra and it's sam laporta and they're they're not getting much help from anyone else so they really need some some help to to spread the ball around well and you know what if uh you're not targeted as much as you want you know don't say a word dude you know just go about your business and uh be a team guy and i think you know, reading between the lines, I think that's what Dan Campbell's talking about here. Be a team guy. Um, be responsible. Uh, go out there and do what you're paid to do. Uh, so we'll see. By the way, in case you're wondering, uh, the Lions installed as an early nine-point favorite over those uh, visiting Carolina Panthers. Uh, meanwhile, in the uh, time we have left, uh, the Monday night fair tonight, eh, uh, Seattle 2-1 and one on the road to face the 1-2 and two Giants. The Giants have been taught the meaning of respect. Uh, by both the Cowboys and 49ers. Uh, Seattle won this tilt uh, a year ago, 27-13, when they met in Seattle. But here's the thing. Uh, If you're thinking about putting some action down, you guys, uh, the Seahawks are 5-0 lifetime at MetLife Stadium. 
Oh, and the Seahawks beat the Lions, so they've got something. Yeah, uh, they do. Uh, you would you would think, um, but uh, the G Men. Uh, I don't know. Seems like uh, another franchise that's uh, that's uh, going to underperform a little bit. Yeah, this isn't the most exciting game in the world. No, uh, not at all. But how would you like to have been on hand for the uh, Broncos Bears yesterday? What would oh that my. have done for you? <laughs> oh, my. Uh, we had Lomas Brown on this morning, and he said it very succinctly. They suck. <laughs> It's it's just a, a an organization in complete uh, and unadulterated turmoil, and I think it's been that way for a while, um, but it doesn't show any signs of improving anytime soon. I mean, you lost to the Broncos. That's all I'm going to say. Meanwhile, we're out of time. You uh, you guys go to bed. You got to wake up early, and uh, Jay will do it again next week. All right, thanks, Steve. All right, thanks for listening to 760 WJR.